0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: The UC Board of Regents set today on whether or not it'll block UCLA's move to the Big Ten, but I don't think they'll do much. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, we're going to take a look at the UC Board of Regents stance on UCLA's move to the Big Ten. board is set to meet today and take action on whether or not it will, quote, block UCLA's move to the conference. And we'll discuss here in a minute on what exactly all that means. Also, later on, Zach Seiko is back in. I did a crossover with Locked On Nittany Lions with the Penn State team set to face Rutgers this weekend. You can go over and listen to the Locked On Nittany Lions show for our full episode previewing that game. And I talked to Zach about both Minnesota football as it's in contention for the Big West and Penn State exposed Minnesota a few weeks ago and Penn State basketball, which has five seniors leading the way. We'll recap everything else that happened in basketball yesterday, too, as we get into things here on Locked On Big Ten. Before we do any of that, though, today's show is brought to you by Sling TV. Sling has something for everyone, especially when it comes to sports and college football coverage. With a massive lineup of games across the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and SEC, you can always catch the games that that you want on Sling and the ones that I want, too. You can do it right now by checking out Sling TV to see the massive lineup of games they have all season long. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. Let's get into what's going on with the Board of Regents here. Uh, I don't know if it'll be a vote being had, but they're going to meet today on the action to be made against or for UCLA moving to the Big Ten. The Board of Regents has tried to flex this muscle for a while now, saying that they have the right to block UCLA's move to the conference. But I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen here today, or what's could happen, or what's like possible. Well, again. Just get a quick review of everything as that meeting is set to happen here this afternoon. This meeting is set to decide whether to, quote, block the UCLA move to the Big Ten. It was put together by a statement from the Board of Regents in which it released a whole bunch of financial benefits and uh, expenses that'll be associated with this Big Ten move to try and figure out what exactly the impact is going to be on the school and, of course, all UC schools. They also released polls from student-athletes, too, on their thoughts of the move to the Big Ten as well. And some of these numbers are interesting. I'll read some of them off here right now. It was 111 students, so not a huge, huge sample size here, but in the size. 35% of people thought that the move would be positive to the Big Ten. 7% thought it would be negative, and the rest did not have an opinion, And majority in that sense. Uh, athletes' biggest concerns were increased travel and missed classes by going to the Big Ten. About half were concerned about playing games in cold weather, too. That would make you kind of assume that there's a whole lot of outdoor athletes being mentioned in this poll. About 80% thought that, quote, national exposure, end quote, would be a major benefit. More than half also agreed that increased NIL opportunities and TV opportunities would come from moving to the Big Ten, which you can't argue with. Those are just some of the numbers. And It's just, again, a weird situation. We talked about this about, so it's probably coming on close to a month now, a month ago now. The board is trying to get whatever power it has, take and hold on to whatever power it has before UCLA gets out of here. It says it has the power to block the move. I don't know if it actually has that power. I don't know if the board actually wants to try to block UCLA's move to the Big Ten. Now, what's interesting is while the board says it does have the power to block things, it also did recognize in its report that the UCLA president had authority in exercising and being able to make this deal in the first place. So if there's like a conflict of authority, I guess you'd call it what ends up happening. I don't know. The point is, this is desperate. This is the last pitch desperation move by the UC board to try and maybe not even get UCLA to stay, but to at least get something out of it before they go. Because as things stand, UCLA is just kind of leaving. So do I expect the board to come out here and say, hey, UCLA, you can't go to the Big 10? I don't really think so. Because one, the money is in UCLA's favor here. The reason why they went over is because they're in big debt and they need to make up for that. So I don't think the board's gonna actually say, hey, no, you can't go. But as we talked about before, there's a possibility that they could try and put some sort of fines on things, that they could try and make it more beneficial to a school like Cal, who's still in the Pac-12, by making them try and split revenues. But I'm not sure exactly where the power lies here. And if the board does try and take some sort of big action in this way today, I don't know exactly what is going to happen after. I'd imagine there'd be some legal stuff happening. And in reading up on this, a good point made in that there is legal issues, and the Big Ten does have the advantage in the fact that it got UCLA to sign the agreement to come over. So whether or not this board has the power to stop UCLA, I'm not sure, but I know for a fact that the Big Ten has the signed, sealed, and delivered agreement with the UCLA Bruins already. So if that's going to be broken... It would need to go through and get through whatever it is the consequences of breaking that contract with the Big Ten. So while the UC may think that it has some legal ground here, the Big Ten is thinking that it does too if UC tries to say, hey, no, UCLA can't go. Uh, I don't know where the authority is here. And I still am not sure. I've been trying to read up and look and say, all right, is this actually something they can do? And the... Biggest consensus has been, that's what they're saying. UCLA is coming to the Big Ten. I would be shocked, shocked, shocked if there was any actual real progress made in stopping them. Maybe the board comes out and says, hey, you can't go today. But this is something that's going to happen. I'm not sure just how much of a hit UCLA is going to have to take, though, in getting away from the UC board's grasp. It's Something that's a bit of an odd situation to have to go through. I mean, usually you would think that uh, the president of the university and the board would have talked about this beforehand. But you know that there's a whole lot of people on the West Coast who aren't a fan of this. And some of those people are very, very powerful people in this decision making, I'm sure. So who knows what will happen? To me, it seems obvious. There is no way UCLA is not coming to the Big Ten at some point. That's kind of a little bit ship's been ships sailed already. But as far as what the board can actually do, I'm really interested to see what comes of this meeting here today. I don't know if there's anything they can do that would be taken seriously off the bat by the board or by the school in the Big Ten outside of like, hey, here, pay us some money. Because if it's a money thing, Big Ten can deal with that. UCLA is in debt right now, but they'll recover if it's something actually trying to restrict them from making the move then that's when things get a little bit messy but this is a desperation move no doubt about it by the uc board of regents they're just trying to take anything that they can get before UCLA's out the door with nothing for them in return we're going to talk to zach seiko from locked on nittany lions here in just a minute on locked on big 10 about a couple of different things Minnesota is still in the race in the Big Ten West, so I wanted to ask him what's been the difference between that good Minnesota team we saw at the beginning of the season versus the second half in which the Gophers have kind of fallen off a bit. There's been some changes in personnel in the Gophers, but the Penn State team was the first team to really expose that Minnesota squad. So I'll get Zach's take from way back when he played Minnesota, or his team played Minnesota, And also, we'll talk a little bit of Penn State basketball. Get a preview of a veteran team that's not picked to do too well in the Big Ten, but you know when it has that kind of experience, it's going to wreak havoc. That's coming up with Zach in just a minute here on Locked On Big Ten. Before we get into any of that, though, if you're in an emergency or if you're trying to make sure you're you're never in an emergency, Simply Safe can be the place to go to make sure that your home is protected. It's a place where you can get 24 seven hour surveillance of your home because while you're in your home, you know what's going on, right? You, you need to be able to have an eye on things when you can't have an eye on things. And that's what Simply Safe is for. They have the home monitoring system that is the best out there in the entire world. They can, again, have 24 seven assistance ready for you all the time. So you can make sure that the things and people that you value most are Always safe, whether it's while you're away, or while you're asleep, or anything else. Simply Safe makes sure that you are protected. Don't miss your chance to save big money on the system as well. To the only security system that I recommend, get fifty percent off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege today. This is the biggest discount of the year from Simply Safe, so do not wait. Head on over to simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege.
2: Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary.
1: Hey, it's a lock-on crossover. You've already heard from Zach Seiko leading off the last two segments here with Locked On Nittany Lions. Nate Dickinson with you on Locked On Big Ten as we start to take a look into the weekend around Big Ten football and also Big Ten basketball starting up as well, too. So we'll just have a kind of general Big Ten combo with Zach about some of his thoughts about what's going on around the Big Ten and, of course, we got to plug around the Locked On network too. If you're listening in to a Locked On show, it's one of ours—Locked On Nittany Lines or Locked On Big Ten. Right now, go subscribe to the other one. Just do us a favor and do that right now on YouTube, Twitter, and podcasts—all that kind of stuff—to make sure yeah. that you're staying up to date around the Big Ten and around Penn State as well. All right, Zach, let's get into the weekend here in Big Ten football. We've talked Penn State and Rutgers here in the first two segments of your show. I want to get into and pick your brain on what you think about what Minnesota Gophers, because Penn State's played Minnesota. Penn State has played the more recent version of Minnesota that does not seem quite as good as what we had at the first part of the season for the Gophers. But when you had this Gopher team, which is now contending again for the Big Ten West, What did you make of what Minnesota brought out there? Because they've got, of course, a big matchup with Iowa coming up on Saturday, probably the biggest of the weekend in the Big Ten.
0: I think they're one-dimensional. And even now, Cali McManus started that game against Penn State, but I'm not even sure that Tanner Morgan, if he had played, that they would have had much more success. Maybe they score another field goal and put another drive together. I actually think Cali Ekmanis helped them out because – He showed uh, he showed a little bit of a dual threat capabilities and and Tanner Morgan is a statue. He's the pocket passer. He is Minnesota's version uh, of Sean Clifford, if you will. Um, Now, I, I like Mo Ibrahim. I do a lot. I think he, I think eventually he will be a kind of a, whether he's not necessarily a number one running back in the NFL, but he'll be a guy that gets rotated into the fold. Like he'll be a solid two, or at least be used in a running back by committee at some point in time. Uh, from, so what I believe in Minnesota is that they're well coached. I, I have the utmost respect as just a college football fan for PJ Fleck. Uh, but this Minnesota team, because of the lack of receivers, This Iowa team, uh, they're they're the second-best secondary. I know statistically it's Illinois, but from a talent standpoint, Iowa has the second-best secondary in the Big Ten, uh, and they're closer to Penn State than most people might imagine. So with that being said, and none of the attention that you need to focus on this wide receiver core for Minnesota, I I like Iowa a lot. I think Iowa's actually going to emerge, and even though they've gotten a ton of criticism, from everybody across the country about, well, they need to change up the quarterback. They need to fire Kirk Ferentz's son. Iowa faced some tough teams when they were seeing the lowest of their quarterback play. And if you look as of late, Spencer Petrus looks like a decent quarterback. So uh, Minnesota's favorite in this game, but I think Iowa outmatches them just by how smothering this defense is.
1: What about the Minnesota defense? That was supposed to be really good. Then it gives up 45 points to you guys.
0: A game script as well. You know, Penn state was, it, it's the fact that Minnesota's offense doesn't help them out. So if Minnesota, is able to control the time of possession, which I think they can under most circumstances, but I was going to sell out for the run and why shouldn't they? Because they can leave all those cornerbacks on an Island. So it's not that Minnesota's defense isn't good, but when your offense goes three and out or turns the ball over on plus side territory for the opponent. Yeah. It's going to look like it's a lot worse. And I think Iowa will do just that. They'll force turnovers uh, and they'll be able to get this offense on the field and no, uh, no problems.
1: To be fair to Minnesota, it's one dimensional, but the one dimension's been working still, even without the other Kelly Manis last week threw 13 passes against Nebraska, Mo Ibrahim still did his thing was perfectly fine. They had to come back from a 10, nothing deficit at halftime, but they end up beating the Cornhuskers. I, I think, I, I, yes I was going to sell out for the run but to be honest I think Minnesota is going to be pretty close to selling out for the run as well. This games going to be played on a Saturday in which in Minnesota the high is freezing at 32 degrees yeah. so there won't be a ton of passing in this game a ground and pound classic Big Ten football game it's the reason why it's one of the lowest spread or lowest total totals in college football history. I think it's at 32 and a half right now if I'm remembering right on my numbers. Yep. Yep. It's just really, really going to be run after run after ground and pound, and it's going to be a battle in the trenches. I think Minnesota's offensive line is good. Their center is one of the best in all of college football and probably maybe the best in the big 10, but he's really, really good. And Mo Ibrahim, I think is going to be able to be okay in this game. I I agree with what you're saying about like, okay, I was going to be planning for it, but Teams have been planning for it. Minnesota's been not able to pass the ball this season. Mo Ibrahim's still doing his thing. I I don't know how much I was able to slow him down, but we'll see what ends up happening because this game is going to be just a whole lot of that runs up the middle guys being in and trying to just push each other out of the way to get tackles and get inside
0: as much as I want to agree with you um, because I, I I respect Minnesota for where they're at, but their most three was recent wins Rutgers Nebraska without Thompson at starting quarterback. And then you have uh, the game against Northwestern most recently where they barely won. So uh, if they're, they, they beat Rutgers, no problem, but they, they struggled to win convincingly against Nebraska and Northwestern, which concerns me. So, Um, they, they can do the best coaching job. They just don't have the horses to contend with some of these better skilled teams. Like they're just being out talented, out talented tid.
1: (laughs) I would say, and I have said they have potential here to be the most, the biggest disappointment in the big 10 this season, given what they did early. Because at the start of the season, everyone was kind of up in the air. People thought Nebraska might win the Big Ten West. People thought it would be Iowa or Wisconsin or Minnesota or Purdue. We're all in the conversation. But once the season started, it was Minnesota who was playing that good football off the start. And three, four weeks in, you see Iowa fall off and lose two games early. Nebraska, of course, loses games early on wisconsin didn't look good minnesota was looking like it was going to be like standalone best team in the big 10 west and then it just all kind of fell apart gophers have not been there and they're still in it they're still tied for the big 10 west lead right now but they do have as it stands the longest path as far as what they need to actually win that side of the conference and it's not looking good with how they've been trending lately and Interesting to hear what you thought after you saw, of course, really the first sign of that when Penn State destroyed Minnesota the time that those two teams played. Uh, Zach, I want to move over to basketball for a second and ask about your Nittany yeah. lines, actually. Because this team isn't projected to be great, but in Big Ten basketball, when you have a team that's led by five seniors, you just know they're going to be able to knock off some teams come conference play. What is it that this team does well that's going to be able to get them to do that?
0: I light up now when we talk about Penn State men's basketball, Uh, Pat Chambers walks so that Micah Shrewsbury can run Um, this team. What they do, what they do. Well, they shoot the three ball very well. Last year, it was around 34 percent. This year they're shooting. And I know it's early in the season and they're not facing teams that are good at protecting uh, the arc. But they're shooting 46% right now from three-point land. And it was the case last year. Why couldn't they do that last year? Because they had really one bona fide three-point shooter, and that was Miles Dredd, who had had a shoulder problem uh, and, and couldn't get it figured out in the middle of the season. But now you have Miles Dredd. Now you have Andrew Funk and Cam Winter, who you got out of the transfer portal, and a guy like Andrew Funk is automatic from the corner whenever you line him up and you give him a sec to get set. Um, Jalen Pickett's the do-it-all guy he just came off of the triple-double the second Nittany Lion in history to have a triple-double since 1998 Uh, Calvin Booth and Jalen Pickett so it's historic Uh, this team's already setting records with three-point shots three-pointers made three-pointers attempted because that's the team they're going to be they're going to shoot the ball they've shot it effectively um And basically, when they face these teams that are not good shooting teams, like a Butler, for example, Butler's not a good shooting team, even though they had big men. Why didn't they clean up the glass? Penn State ended up out-rebounding them, and they forced them to take bad twos. So that's going to be the formula all year, and I think they projected them to finish 11th in the conference. They're going to finish top eight easily.
1: You have the five seniors, Jalen Pickett, Cameron Winter, Andrew Funk, Miles Dredd, Seth Lundy. All seniors, all right now averaging double-digit points right now. You you mentioned Pickett with the triple-double. Is he the leader? Is he the guy who's going to be carrying the flag and leading the way for this team?
0: Yeah, he's the guy because uh, last year he would almost play all of the 40 minutes. You you basically had to pull him off of the court. Uh, and this year, now that you have a little more depth in that front court, you don't necessarily need to do that. I've seen him play around 32, 33 minutes, but that's still a lot. I would say he's the one guy, like in terms of leadership and, and running the floor. And then Seth Lundy would be that too. The complementary guys are the Cam Winter uh, and the Andrew Funk. But Cam Winter showed that, I mean, he led the team in scoring. The the other night against Loyola, Maryland. So any of these guys can rise to the occasion. Uh, Andrew Funk was one of the scoring leaders in game one when they played Winthrop. So it's almost an any given night type of thing. But I would say that Jalen Pickett's the one to
1: charge them into battle. What about defending the bigs? In the Big Ten, that's still the story here. Not quite as much as it was last year, but Zach Eadie's still there. Hunter Dickinson's still there. Trace Jackson Davis, not quite the traditional big, big, but is the size that leads that Indiana Hoosiers team. Uh, Does Penn State have someone who can defend big guys down low? Um. And in
0: short answer, not right now. Um, They, they, well in their front court. So they've been content with starting a six foot seven forward and Caleb Dorsey as their quote unquote five, but they're using their speed and athleticism to basically tire these big guys out. Manny Bates had his way for Butler, but Penn state essentially let him and said, we're going to force you to make mistakes in other aspects of the game. But we're going to allow your big man to have success because why waste our time trying to defend something that we're just not ultimately good at, but instead let's smother you everywhere else where we can make you struggle. So that's what Penn State's doing. They're just playing to their strengths. Uh, and that's what they had to do last year. That's why they played that slow pace. Who was the first team to 55 this year? It's going to be a race to 80, to even 90 points in some point uh, at times during the season. So Penn State's going to try to outshoot you and and force you into bad shots. They are not going to waste their time double teaming the Hunter Dickinson. Uh, they will at points in time. I'm not saying they're just going to let them control the uh, the front court there, uh, but they're going to definitely uh, focus on creating turnovers, being good at defending the three-point shot, uh, but they will allow and surrender those points and rebounds to the guy that's usually going to be 6'10 or bigger.
1: All right, well, I got what I wanted from you, Zach. I wanted to know about Minnesota in that matchup coming up. I wanted to know about all those seniors for Penn State and how that's going to look this season because I'm really interested in seeing what that team looks like. And if they're shooting the way that they have been, it's going to be a whole lot of fun too. So I wanted to pick your brain on that and make sure we got all that in. Locked On crossover episode with Locked On Penn State and Locked On Big Ten. That's Zach Seiko. I'm Nate Dickinson. We'll be back, of course, to wrap things up here in just a second.
2: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage... The cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary.
1: Big thanks to Zach Saco. Again, I was on Locked On Nittany Lions here today, so be sure to head on over and give his show a follow if you're an Nittany Lions fan and tune into the program where we preview Penn State and Rutgers coming up this weekend. Before we get into the wrap-up here on things on Locked On Big Ten, Bilt Bar is the best protein bar on the planet. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If you've listened to Locked On, you've probably already heard of Built Bar, but as you already know, They're coming out with new flavors all the time new flavors from built bar now they just taste good and sound good all the time cookie dough topper coconut brownie bar coconut brownie topper as well these are new bars from built bar that are your classic built bars with of course a new coconut or brownie cookie dough twist head on over to built.com and try them out or any of the other bars that you enjoy this is seriously like people love Built Bar. People message in and tell us that they like Built Bar. My family who tries the Built Bars that we get sent, they absolutely love them. They, they went out of their way to say, hey, those were really good. Make sure you send those over to our house again. I don't even get them anymore. Go on over to Built.com and use our code LOCKEDON15. That's On 15 to get 15% off your first order at Built.com. Quick wraparound of the basketball from last night in the Big Ten as we start off or wrap up here on Locked On Big Ten. Uh, first matchup to note, number 20, Michigan, destroys Pitt in the second half. Final score, 91-60 to 60 in the Legends Classic. Uh, this game was close early on, and it was like, okay, what's going on with Michigan? Struggle against Eastern Michigan. Yes, Amoni Bates is really good. And then struggling here against Pitt early on, too. But then the Wolverines just turned the afterburners on and blew out the Panthers in the second half. It was only a six-point game at halftime. It was really reassuring to see Michigan kind of regroup and dominate in that way against a pit team that's in a Power 5 conference, or Power 6, however you want to call it, and be able to get a big win here early in the season, something that gives you some confidence going forward. Instead of being a little like, all right, let's uh, see some domination here from this team early in the season a uh, jet howard 17 points in just 19 minutes he was limited because foul trouble did end up fouling out in that game joey baker 14 points in 22 minutes off the bench for the wolverines he was four for five for three as well and Kobe Bufkin, 14 points. Hunter Dickinson finished with 11 and 7 rebounds. Wasn't the biggest numbers day from Dickinson, but he was a great, great game manager in there. Working the ball around, of course, collapsing defenses as he does and getting his other guys good shots. So, solid win for Michigan. Next matchup to tell you about, Ohio State beats Eastern Illinois 65-43 to at home. This one was another close one. Only a six-point game as well at halftime between Ohio State and Eastern Illinois. It was Bryce Sensabaugh off the bench, the star for the Buckeyes. 20 points. Ends up finishing with that after only 17 minutes coming off the bench. Also Zed Keat, 10 points and 14 rebounds. Neither team shot exceptionally well. The score indicates that. Winning team winning by 20 and only scoring 65. Eastern Illinois was just a terrible from the field, though. Give credit to the Ohio State defense if you like. A really off game from them, even by the standards of playing a good Ohio State team. Finally, Iowa, one on the road at Seton Hall in the Gavit Games. Chris Murray, 29 points in an 83-67 win. He gets 11 rebounds as well to tally a triple-double. Tony Perkins, 18 points and 5 assists. Philip Rebracha, 10 and 11 rebounds. And Pat McCaffrey with a 10 points. Iowa didn't shoot great at the start, uh, was able to regroup and obviously took control and dominated the rest of the way. Chris Murray looked really, really good. And if he's going to be this good, it's going to be really, really fun having Keegan Murray last year and then Chris Murray this year kind of be able to carry on that torch for the Iowa Hawkeyes. But it's looking like he could be that guy like Keegan was before him to keep Iowa in contention in the Big Ten. If they're able to look this good once we get into conference play, then we'll have that discussion. Uh, Seton Hall only 35% from the field. So this was, again, not one where it was a huge, huge challenge for Iowa most of the way. But again, this is the only game from the Big Ten from yesterday that ended up being decided by less than 20. So at the very least, they had to keep things going for the whole 40 minutes and did. Let's look around the entire Big Ten schedule from yesterday in basketball. Of course, we'll have updates on everything going on throughout the basketball season. I think we may make that a daily thing, wrapping things up with just a look around basketball. If there isn't, until there is, I should say, the Big Ten conference games, and when football's done, we'll obviously be all sorts of basketball all the time, but until the season ends in football, unless there's a big basketball game non-conference to go over, I think we may end up being a kind of just quick wrap-up here at the end on how everybody's doing. I'm Not sure if that's the best way to do it, but we're going to find out what the best way to do it is until that season's over on the gridiron. Again, tune back in here tomorrow every single day on Locked On Big Ten to stay up to date on everything that's going on in the conference. Until our next show, you can follow us on Twitter and on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts at Locked On Big Ten. It's 1-0 at the end, not T-E-N, when you're typing it out. I'm Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports on Twitter, and this has been Locked On Big Ten. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait.
2: Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts.